Hello and welcome to another episode of the 551 Podcast. My name is Jeff Reuter and sitting across from me doing his production side, which he's been doing for the last hour or so now. We have Wes Burdine. Wes, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, as you know, I'm a little bit stressed. I am, uh... We we did a podcast. We have a special guest on this episode. You do, Alexi Lawless. <laughs> yep, and uh, we we did the call. I had my equipment. I tested it out this afternoon, and uh, when I made the call just a, a little bit ago, it wasn't recording properly. I got really stressed out because I once lost an entire interview with New York Times Jack Bell, and uh, and so we did this call, and I had to. I had you were not able to do it because I just no. went lo-fi. I went. I'm going to record the phone call. So don't worry about it. Alexi and I will have our own phone call. Yeah. And uh, we're yeah, going to no, tell secrets I just, about you. I faked, faked this whole thing so that I could keep them all to myself. But now my, uh, I'm not sure. I, I assume if you hear an Alexi Lawless interview on this podcast, then it worked. If not, then know that I'm in a deep well of sorrow because I messed something up. So, uh, Which would be actually, for me, that would be good, bad, and weird if you were in a deep well. Um, so I'll just I'll keep that in mind. Um, we have a lot to go over. The season is back. Hallelujah, the season is back. So it's going to be our MLS preview episode. We're not going to have a ton of stuff outside of the loons to talk about, but we're a loons podcast, so why would we spend too much time on the galaxy? So we're going... <laughs> to start with a brief whip around called the good the bad and the weird where we're going to look at the world of soccer we're going to talk about the last preseason match and talk a little bit about what we think you should expect from the season opener on friday on fs1 and then we will hear from wes's interview with alexi lawless where i'm sitting quietly in the corner waving and smiling and staring at the wall until Blair Witch <laughs> kills me. And then we are going to finish with one yes, one Twitter question, because I think uh, there's one question that really kind of summarizes what we want to look at after the offseason. So yeah. um, let's do the music from Big Quarters. We'll come back, and it's Minnesota time right away. And uh, welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. I'm cool as a cuke, and we're going to do our uh, good, the bad, and the weird, which is our weekly whip around of everything that happens in the world of soccer. We don't even have the full whip around this week, but no. the we'll just we'll just go into the the other the little um, nuggets that we'll go to that that will lead us into it, um, which is just just going into a bad. We don't need to talk about this. Claudio Ranieri getting fired by Leicester City at length. But Claudio Ranieri wins the title and then he's almost he's in a relegation battle with Leicester City. They're not looking very good. Um and then he gets canned and then they beat Liverpool today. Um I am thinking about this cuz I was thinking about it a bunch when Carl Craig was our coach. Uh Carl is someone who had uh been a long time Servant of the club, you know, been an assistant since 2010? 20. Sounds right. Um, and, you know, gets his shot. Didn't have a very good year. Didn't have a terrible year. Didn't have a very good year. Um, and the the question is that, you know, I was going through this question a bunch, and, and maybe you can weigh in on your thoughts. Mine, I, I very much like Carl. I've interviewed him so many times. Uh, I... Don't think he did enough to deserve the MLS gig, but at the same time, I wonder what 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 is there about um, uh, kind of 
sticking by people who are part of your club and, and, and things like that? It's a unique situation with the NASL, the MLS move. Um, I mean, there's so much that changes that even had they made the playoffs and made the final, let's say that they beat the New York Cosmos and they lose to Indy in the final on a John Bush penalty kick because I just remembered that that happened. And yes, that was weird. Um, that might not have been enough just because you look and they like what they have with Adrian Heath. They like having a coach who's done it before. They think that he's the man. So you never know if that would have been enough. I look, though, and four of the last five title-winning coaches in the Prem have been relieved of their duties within a year. Now, one of those was Sir Alex Ferguson, who retired on top of his game like every athlete or coach should. So, fine. But that's three of the last other four. And so I'm thinking through, and if, I don't know if Dirty Jobs is still a show with Micro, but I would totally put him as like the manager of Hull City and just say, here you go, you're going to lose your job, this is the shittiest job in the world. Because I, I, I mean, we saw it with Bob Bradley, who lasted about a Kardashian marriage length with yeah. Swansea City this year, you just, it's, there's no need for loyalty when it comes to a manager because it seems like the easiest fix. Leicester won three to one. Liverpool never look close. Yeah, I mean, so when you look at that, were were you when you look at the Ranieri thing? Do you think it was a good thing they they canned him or bad? I, I wish that they could have just done like a. We just need to take a break. We're going to put Shakespeare because Shakespeare. The name of their coach right yeah. now is Shakespeare, which is amazing yeah. to me. Uh, we're going to put Shakespeare in charge for two weeks, baby. We got to figure it out, and then we'll come back and we'll see if the magic's still there. So yeah, yeah, just a, a separate. Yep. I, I mean. So, because I I lean on the side of you get relegated, I I don't care. You give him the chance to fight that, um, and then maybe it means shipping off people like Schmeichel or whatever. That that manager did something amazing there. You give him the chance to. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, that's my my camp, and I was wondering how that related to to Minnesota United. You are right. The the MLS jump. If it was another year in NASL, I would say. You still give them the shot, but the of MLS course. jump means you, you can't get that wrong, and you also, you know, the, there is a reason they really wanted someone with MLS experience, and it makes makes sense. You yep. know, um, so let's let's do a little bit of good here, uh, which is that the season's kicking off. We're not going to spend a ton of time on MLS, but I do want to know. I want one crazy hot pick, crazy wow mm-hmm. hot take from you about the season this year in MLS outside of Minnesota. Outside of Minnesota. Well, I was going to say, um, I'm willing to put down uh, some sort of bet that Minnesota will finish above Atlanta. In points or in, in spot points. in the respective conference? Uh, in, in points. Oh, um, that's tempting. Uh, I, I know it's not... I know the odds are against me, but that's why I want to do it. Um, I think uh, Portland are going to be bad, is a, is a mediocre hot take. Um, I agree with you there. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's, I don't have a good hot take. I think the New York Red Bulls are going to miss the playoffs this year. Okay, that's that's a, after, yeah, that's a pretty after finishing top in the East the last two years. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. I think uh, Chicago are still going to be bad. I think Colorado are going to revert to the mean and be very bad. What's so, hard is it's easy to point out, like like you said. I mean, like. I don't think Portland's going to be good. I don't think Chicago's going to be good. I don't think the Red Bulls are going to be good. But I, it's tough for me to see the teams that replace them. Like, I look at, like... Dallas. I mean, well, Dallas won't but replace Dallas, them. But Dallas won, you know, the Sporting Shield, and they're going to win uh, the treble. I think Dallas, in the West, Dallas, Real Salt Lake, Los Angeles, Salt Lake. Seattle. Yeah, Real Salt Lake, I think, 
Uh, I think Rusnak is a good player. Mm. I think Monsifian, Movsisian is going to be better than he was last year. And they are just a solid team. Schuler and Mound are good If they can backs. put Kyle Beckerman into one of those chambers. Yeah, yep. Except for when he's on the field. I think yeah. that they've got a shot. I, I look at... Well, we'll talk about Minnesota United. Well, I, I won't make predictions there. Um, because we'll do it in... 18 seconds. But yes. um, do you have any other hot takes you want to um, I think that the... Just uh, pick, a, pick a winner. Who's going to win MLS Cup? Just go boom off the... Off. FC Dallas. FC Dallas? Okay. I'm going to go NYCFC, and it's just because those letters came to my brain. <laughs> okay, Just going to say it. Uh, I will immediately well, change that. One thing that could really help them is if NYCFC starts loaning out their players to their opponents for each week so that they can score own goals, because that's the weird, and we kind of saw it happen with Minnesota. Well, I didn't see it, because it was, what, streamed port- portrait shot on Facebook? The, yeah, the friendly I, between Minnesota and San Antonio FC. Yeah. Um, no Alan Marcina in attendance. I did confirm that, yeah. which is too bad, because I wanted that. Um, instead, what we had was Minnesota United running a B team with a couple of first-week starters, which is fine. You expect that in their last tune-up game against the USL side. What was weird is that they didn't have enough guys on the bench, and so they ended up having one of San Antonio's players dress up as a United player. And lo and behold, United conceded a goal after that player came on. I, di- I didn't see anything from this. I, didn't I turned it on for 15 seconds and was like, oh, this is it. But I, I loved the picture that... Um, uh, Jerome Thiessen, uh the the new right back, took uh, of him watching it. I just was wondering, what is what must this guy be thinking? But apparently, someone who watched it said that they didn't know anything was happening until they would just hear in the background, "Oh, that was a good shot!" Clap, 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 clap from the fans <laughs> in the stands. Like you just had like Mort, who we've talked about, who travels yeah. to every oh, Minnesota Mort. United oh, game. Man. Hey, he's going to be there again in Portland, and uh, Cindy. His, his, his co-host, the two of them. I thought, I thought you were going to just go Mindy, Mork and Mindy. But. <sighs> that would have been the easiest. Uh, Morton Cindy is just yeah. the worst version of Mork and Mindy you can imagine. Um, do you want to talk about Atlanta for a hot second? No. You don't want to do this one? Do you do your keeping up with the Kenwin Joneses? Do it. All right. Um, there's a, a beautiful, beautiful video that came out. Um, when we talk about the successes and failures of Minnesota versus Atlanta, they're compared to the two. And I've talked to a few dark clouds, and they've agreed that this will be a successful opening campaign if they don't have a video like the You Better Watch Your Mouth, um, This Is Atlanta video come out. Yeah, so this is a video. Oh. Most people have not seen this. It's just that someone filmed this at one of the uh, preseason games. It's basically like six guys acting as capo for the Atlanta um, uh, Terminus. I don't know if they're Terminus but Legion. But there weren't even fans in the stands in front of them. And there were like just people sitting right in front of them who were like not cool with this. It was so awkward. It's great. 4-4-Tweet is mm-hmm. the account that tweeted this out uh, t- two days ago. I'll try so. to remember to retweet it in the yeah, morning so you can I, find I it. I retweeted it as well. It's it's pretty wonderful. Um Let's just go jump right into the Minnesota United stuff. Uh, we don't don't need to wow. take a break here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to just keep going. Um, I want to ask this question uh, from the preseason, which comes from Kate Sophia. What's? Oh no, no. She asked. She asked yes, something. She said, though. "Yeah, yeah. We're just going to do it now." Um, we defined success for the preseason in a previous episode. Was Minnesota United successful? Would did they have a successful preseason? You. Do you have any thoughts of that? Um, I think that the, the, the goals that we'd set up was to look like they were improving every week and 
to not have any players get hurt. Um, so let's start with the latter, which is no, nobody got hurt, which in it, it seems so obvious and it seems like such a dumb answer, but you look at, I mean, like FC Dallas, I think that they're going to win MLS cup, but they also within the next four months will be hoping to get Mario Diaz back. And until he gets back, they're going to struggle because they're going to be playing players out of position or they're going to have Javier Morales trying to rewind the clock and play with a new team on top of it too. And it's just imperfect. Minnesota, for all of their injury-prone players, you know, they've had, whether it's Molino or Gat, Kadri, uh, you know, they've had players who have had injury issues. None of them got hurt. That's yeah. a victory. You look at the results. Yeah, they got five points in seven matches. All five were draws in their first five matches. Um... Something seemed weird about this Florida trip. I don't know if it was the fact that they were back in Orlando and a couple of them have ties and it was 50-50 split of focus or whatever, or the fact that, again, against San Antonio, they didn't really play their A-team at all. Um, so I don't know what that was about. But at least with the end of the Portland tournament, with the second and third matches, they looked like a competitive MLS side, and that's what I'm really walking out of this preseason with. Yeah, the... They came out of last preseason, last year, where they went to Mexico and what was the other place? Uh, Arizona. Arizona, yeah. And, and Portland. Portland. Jinx. <laughs> they came out of that, and I, I heard then later in the season that, that players and everyone said they came out of that preseason tired. They had done so much travel, which was very surprising to me that then this year they chose to do it again, three places where guys like... Uh, you know, even the ones who came in from the beginning. So who mm-hmm. who who was here? Calvo. Uh, Calvo. You know, well, Calvo had the the extra trip, uh, the international, and uh, he'd games. done the uh, the, the but, um, Copa America last summer. Colin too. Warner or something. These guys have been in the Twin Cities. What probably eight days in the Heath last said, month and a half. When I talked to Heath last week, he said that he's been in Minnesota for probably ten or twelve days since he was hired on November thirtieth. Yeah. So I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, so, they haven't set up home base yet. Yeah, and and I I think that that is a, a distinct um, worry that that these guys you know are not feeling settled yet, um, and it'll take them a while to do that, and that's fine, that's understandable, but that that worries me. But to answer the question is, we won't know uh, until we see if they are ready and firing on all cylinders in these first three matches. Right. Portland is always going to be tough. Portland away. Atlanta at home, it's, it's going to be weird, but that should be the first game. I would say they should win Atlanta at home because both teams yes. should be a little bit uneasy with themselves, and Minnesota should be able to kind of just assert that based on the, the energy of playing at home. And Minnesota played twice as many preseason matches um, against MLS competition too, so yeah. there's that. So that that's that's my answer there at least. Um I, I want to you want to talk about the captain. Do we know who the captain is of the team? Uh I do. I'll hold off on it. Um but I will say I did run a Twitter poll today. You, you we will just say it, it is exactly who you think it is. Yeah. But Yeah, no, that's sure. totally fair. It's, it's again Minnesota United being Yep. Minnesota United. Yep. But, uh but they did I did run a Twitter poll this morning just to Make it feel like there was input. And uh, 150 people voted, and 58% of them thought that the captain should be Vadim Demidov, 20% Justin Davis, 12% Miguel Ibarra, 10% other, which means... Why did you choose Miguel and, and Miguel, who's so quiet? I don't care, because the point is, only 10% said other, which is less than the other three, so apparently I got the top three choices right. 
Well, uh, okay, I'm just Miguel gonna, felt I'm like, gonna question your 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 uh, metric gathering, but okay, fine. but it's it's I'm like Emily Haynes, lead yeah. singer of Metric. Demidov uh, win, wins the poll, so big, big, big surprise there. Um, all right, let's uh, l- let's talk about the team, and um, we, we're certainly assuming I did not destroy everything, destroy all the the tapes. We're going to talk about it with Alexi, or I will. You can pretend you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this team ready for Friday? Sure. But okay. uh, there's no real way to gauge it until you play. You well, know? I mean, you can say, do you do you think that um, players have showed well enough that you you could that Heath should have a sense of his starting eleven? Do you think the, that these players are all properly vetted and in I shape? I bet that Heath doesn't know his starting eleven yet. But I also think that's probably by design for him because when we talked last week for um a piece that I'm doing that's going to be up by the time you read or you listen to this podcast um he mentioned that there were only f- that there were five players looking for three spots behind the striker and I don't think that you want two of those guys already going through training 5 day in advance like well I'm not going to start so I guess I'm just going to try again next week you know so I I'm guessing that he's withholding I'm guessing that he himself doesn't know because he's going to want to see is Lawrence Olam really starting at center back for Portland? I guess that this is the player I'm I, like. I want Kadri so that I can expose that. Um, well, I don't. I, so I don't want to. You know my uh, thing about in podcasts going too long into lineups. But right. uh, tell me, tell me what's wrong about this this lineup. I'll say that I will say the starting eleven on Friday will be Alfie in goal, Justin Davis, uh, Calvo, uh, Demidov. Taylor or Venegas, but probably Taylor. Uh, and then the midfield, you're going to have Colin Warner and Schuler right next to each other. On the left, or on the right, we know it's going to be Molino. On the left, I'm pretty sure it'll be Ibarra. I'm pretty sure we'll have Venegas in the hole and Christian Ramirez up top. Yeah, that sounds right. I think to clarify, Tyson, the reason that he's not making either of our 11s is that he hasn't traveled yet yeah, that we he, know of. He I, hasn't joined the team. I think there's just paperwork issues that, yeah. that they've, they've got to wait on. Which has happened with a couple players over the last week or two, which is normal. That That's not something that's unique to Minnesota. But uh, I don't think that he'll be installed and comfortable enough to start already on Friday. Um, yeah, that sounds fine. I mean, the other thing that you could see, and again, I'm not going to go too much into the minutiae of this, you could see a 4-4-2 um, instead of the 4 and then so then like have Warner out and Saeed in or something. But um, I think that this goes back to the questions that we had of depth, versatility, formation. You know, it's not set in stone like we'd assumed it was about a month and a half ago that it would be a a 4-2-3-1. And I think that's actually kind of exciting as far as us being able to cover it. Yeah. Um, And and you've got guys like Gat who are going to come in and Gat's not ready to go full speed. And so you'll you'll bring him in and get him up to speed and maybe mm -hmm. we'll see him uh, make... Uh, cameos until maybe week three he's ready to go full speed but right uh you know Kadri I still don't know I've never seen him really play you know the, we've had a few those two games where we saw him play a little bit and it was nice but I still have not been able to be out to a, a training yet and so uh, I don't know um but Ramirez will start you know um very likely yeah yeah I mean the yeah we'll see um 
the questions that I have, I guess, that will need to be answered over the season. I did say I would put out some questions for Minnesota. Uh, this is the week to do it. Um, so I'll get that up sometime this week. But I think the the two areas of focus, Alexi will cover this a little bit. One, the back line. And I'm not just talking fullbacks this time. I'm saying that you it a back line only works if you actually have everyone on the same page. And these are going to be four dudes who have never played on a back line together, who are going to be trying to learn each other's tendencies. And we talked about this with Eric Miller, actually. How much the cohesion, the momentum, the the optimism, how much that helps with setting up what was the best defense in MLS last year, even though there are a bunch of spare parts. So we've got to see how that works for Minnesota. Um, Calvo Demidov are going to need to become an institution immediately. Um, if not, is Calvo going out to left back and Brent Coleman's going to start? I don't know. So defense is going to be something I'm looking at. The other thing is aerial threats. And if you have corner kicks, are you just doing kicks to the edge of the box and going to try to dink it around and pinball your way into the net because you don't have a Fernando Adi or you don't even have like a Patrick Mullins, Alan Gordon. I'm going down the chain as far as ability, but you don't have that guy. Alan Gordon's the top for me, but who's six foot four. <laughs> Alan Gordon's the top for you. Uh, you don't have a guy who's six foot four who's able to just stand there and knock in headers. So I'll be curious to see how that works. Is there anything else that stands out to you on this roster? No. I mean, you, you nailed it. The, my question for this whole season is, if Christian Ramirez scores in this goal, in this game, mm-hmm. he wins the golden boot, basically. If he doesn't score, then he's he goes on a drought and he scores seven goals all year. And that's it. I, I just like, that's my feeling. Like, it's just like... There, there's going to be two timelines, and we already know we're in the darkest timeline yep. uh, with everything else going on. And so I think that um, I, I don't know. I think that uh, Christian's just such a, a, a like almost every striker, uh, someone who goes on based on their their waning confidence or, or uh, waxing confidence. And so I, I think that um, I hope I hope that he can pull something off magical like he did last year. Like he does every year, you know, basically right. a, a goal right away and, and gets running. Um, and I think that, yeah, I'm excited. But let, let's talk about Portland. Well, actually, let's take a break quick um, because we'll talk about Portland at the very end of it. We'll close out the podcast with the match itself because Alexi talks about more big picture Minnesota stuff. Okay. So let's not go back, back and forth with this. Let's take a break here. Um, Wes is uh, going to have fun for the next 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the corner again waiting for Blair Witch. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back. Hey everyone, it's Wes. I just want to make a quick interjection to say we found the interview, we got the audio. It was the third failsafe that got me the audio, which means that uh, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a snob about audio quality and uh, the quality of the interview is not very good, but it's not terrible. And when Alexi talks, it's it's pretty good. So uh, I just uh, the fact that that I did not totally uh, screw everything up uh, makes me a little bit happy. But um, just so you know, the. Uh, I apologize in advance for the uh, audio quality that you're about to hear, but you can just enjoy what you get from uh, the the beautiful tones of Alexi's voice. Thanks. Well, I have uh, the pleasure to speak with um, the uh, the poor man Stax McCarty, 
Uh, Alexi Lalas, uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for joining us on the fifty five one pod. I, I really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. It's not only a pleasure; it's an honor, given uh, what you and your brethren up there uh, have meant to the game of soccer, and now from an MLS perspective, uh, what you are going to mean. So I'm, I'm, I know you guys are excited. I am excited about this uh, adventure that is about to uh, take place uh, on and off the field for uh, Minnesota United. So let's 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 light this candle. Is what I say. <laughs> well, it's, it's the the great. It's, is that you are going to be a part of this by because you are uh, actually calling the game on Friday, and so I, I thought that it would be perfect to get your perspective on on the, you know the outsider perspective on Minnesota United and uh, on this game and how it's going to go and, and, and your preparation. Um, but let me let me ask then uh, your general take because you've been a GM and and not only a GM but a, a GM. In the era that began the the whole DP uh, period of uh, MLS, and so Minnesota United are uh, you know the the anti Atlanta United in terms of <laughs> not spending a lot of money, and I'm kind of curious what, what what do you make of this team that that um, is being put together with um, I've now decided that it's called Tan Ball, but right. right. We're, yeah, I mean, look, they. I think part of the narrative, and, and rightfully so, is going to be this juxtaposition between what Atlanta is doing and what Minnesota is doing, because they're both coming in at the same time, and because let's be let's be honest and fair, uh, Atlanta has come in and made a very big deal about uh, doing big, bold, expensive type of things, and they've really gone out to gone out of their way to cultivate that type of image. Um, Minnesota, on the other hand, I think has looked at attempts at like Portland, shall we say, or some of the smaller market. And I don't do I don't use those words in a negative sense because the reality is there are smaller and bigger markets. But um, going about things in a different way, and I know uh, that they will oftentimes say, while we might not have spent the likes of what others have spent on the product on the field, we do have a two hundred fifty million dollar stadium, and that that only gets you so far. I, I appreciate it and respect that. But ultimately, I'm going to watch a game, and I want to see uh, I want to see as good a team as possible out there on the field for the loon. So I am knee deep in loon uh, loon loon. I don't know. We even know, know what what word we should use, but I'm knee deep in loons right now, trying to get as much information as possible, talking to everybody I possibly can on off the record, behind the scenes, uh, on the field, off the field, podcasts, everything that I possibly can to get prepared for Friday night when I will be. Uh, next to John Strong calling the game in Portland uh, for the, like I said, the beginning of this adventure. And I, I don't think you know or I know or anybody really knows how it's going to go. We can prognosticate and we can look back in history, but th- this is something new. And until that whistle blows, I don't think we're truly going to understand what the loons are about in its MLS form um, until we get there on Friday night. Yeah, I think I think you've hit it, hit the nail on the head, and and the the mystery that you have is the mystery that that everyone anyone who pretends they know what this team is going to be about is uh, is uh, either dumb or or lying uh, because most of you know uh, you've got lots of players on there who could be standout players, but you've never watched more than two minutes of their highlights. You know, you've got Bashkim Kadri and Rasmus Schuler and and these guys who. Certainly could be really good MLS players, but uh, they also could be the next. Um, I don't. Know, I was going to say the next Jerry Bankston, but the the next uh, you know guy who 
comes in and, and, and flames out. Um, <laughs> Long live Terry <Jerry> Bankston. <laughs> yeah, he's just the one that read on top of my mind. So, um, so I, I, I guess you, what is the, the, as you've been doing your, uh, you know, uh, research and, and putting this together, what is the impression that, that, that you do get? Do you have a feeling like, uh, you know what? Uh, and, and I'm going to ask this, knowing full well that if you say the team is going to be terrible, people will, uh, you'll get the Grant Wall treatment and, uh, and you'll have your, uh, your, your quotes, uh, put up on, on walls. But, <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm, I'm writing a piece for, for this week that, that I think this team could either be absolutely terrible or remarkably and surprisingly good. I don't know the difference, but what, what is the, what's the, what's your gut tell you? Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we talk so much now, and, and look, I, I know we, we, we love MLS and we love American soccer, but we're also uh, fans of the game. And so, for example, Lester. You know, Lester suffers because the expectations were raised so high. And I think what Minnesota has done, and I think it is by design, and it's very, very smart, is try to temper those expectations to the extent that you can. I know everybody's going to be excited and all. But the team on the field, there's nothing that says that this team can't compete. And when I say compete, uh, I mean, look, the, the delineation that we often make in MLS is success is making the playoffs and failure is not making the playoffs. Even for a first-year team, it would be incredibly successful. Will everybody uh, say that you need to change the team and, and, and fire the coach if you don't make the playoffs? No, but that's kind of the line that we look at. When I look at this team right now, I think you have average goalkeeping, but, but adequate. It's going to get you where you need, at least in the short, the, the short term, with uh, – with uh, how would we pronounce this? Alvuge, uh, I guess. Uh, Johnny Elbow is what I'm calling him. Uh, so That's you good. Got, you we got call that. him Alfie, just, exactly. to, just to make it easy. All right, cool. So then you got your your back four, which has some some very good experience, but not necessarily MLS experience, and that's kind of a theme that runs through the whole team, especially with that that seemingly the, the desire to have that connection with Minnesota and players that have played there before, albeit in an, an AFL com, uh, capacity. Uh, you don't have any outside backs, really, I think, for the long term. You're going to have to get by, and it could be a problem right off of the bat uh, when you talk about, you know, Davis on one side, uh, Taylor, although, you know, with, with, the, uh, with the signing of Thiessen, I think that'll play in. I'm not sure if that happens this weekend or, or, or not, but um, that, that, that was a good a step in a good direction and a recognition of some, uh, of some challenges that you're going to have on the outside backs. You know, Schuler and Warner in that midfield, you got some MLS experience, and I think you're going to have some players – that, that, that are good. I mean, right now, if you look at it, for me, your best player is Molino. Now, I, I, I love Molino. I think he's a great player, but he is your best player. And that's, that's not necessarily that you want to have happen. I'm not saying that he can't be a very good player in MLS, but if he is your best player and you've got to wrap him in, in bubble wrap and you better hope that he doesn't get injured, then uh, you're, you're relying heavily on a player that was good, but can he carry a team going forward? And I know you got Kadri and, and Ibarra and Venegas and these types of players that certainly are, are interesting, but it's one thing being interesting in preseason. It's another thing being interesting in the regular season. But I will say this. I've been on teams that have sucked in preseason and did very good in the MLS regular season, and I've been on teams that were incredible in preseason and horrible during the regular season. So don't take it with a grain of salt what happened in, uh, in preseason. The only thing that matters is what happens after that whistle blows on Friday night. Yeah. and And so – uh, when you look at the team, you know, you, you did a, a pretty uh, remarkably synced rundown there. So um, and I, I wonder, who are you most excited to see 
play? What what, what excites you about this team? And I know there's you don't have the on uh, uh, factor there, but, but I'm wondering what, what might spark your interest there. Well, I mean, I think this this back four. Is, is, I think it's going to be first off. I think it's going to be not, not not set on the first game, nor nor should it be. This is this is. I think we all understand and recognize and respect a work in progress as it goes along. But when you've got uh, Demidov and Calvo in the middle, there's not there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of height in the back. Uh, so set pieces and, and balls in the air, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. But there is some experience and understanding. And, and and as you know, anybody that's watched soccer, consistency in the back. That is good. Whether you're whether you're fast, whether you're tall or not, you can you can make up a lot when you have consist- consistency. So the sooner they're able to get at least three of the four, uh, hopefully at some point four of the four that are consistent, and you know that they're going to play, um, the better off they're going to be. So I'm, ex- I'm I'm interested to see. I don't know if I'm excited is the right word. Uh, even though we just mentioned Molino, I am interested and excited to see whether he can take this um, both this new responsibility on his shoulders and. Uh, and, and become a player that we just kind of saw as, yeah, he's a pretty good player last year, and really be the man and somebody that other teams fear. I think that's where it really comes into where his value is. Do other teams actually fear players that they're, that they're playing? And can, can Molino become that type of player? Ibarra, we, we know from, from the past, obviously, he, he, he pulled up on a lot of our radars, uh, given his national team involvement and what he has meant. Uh, is speed. I worry about where the width of this team is coming from because when you have players, uh, you know, like Akadji, like Ibarra, they're not necessarily guys that love to stay out wide. And so when you already are struggling for your outside backs, if those if those are the guys that are going to give you that width, um, I hope that you have some guys that want to play outside and not everybody's coming in and just making it uh, making it too narrow and too predictable. So those those are some things. And look, Venegas, uh, I'll be interested to see how he does. Uh, it, it's it's it, in MLS, which we all know is different when it really matters, when it counts. A guy like uh, Josh Gad, who I'm not sure is a starter yet, but we've heard such great tales, and we know what's happened when it's come to a guy like Mix Discarude, who we all just had this notion of and this idea, but it was all based on clips that we saw here or there. Well, now when you see him week in and week out, you might have a very different perception of what that player is. But he's not hurt yet, uh, as far as I know, so that's a step in the right direction <laughs> as far as Jack Gatti. Yeah, well, um, unlike uh, us, I guess, you have not been watching uh, Molde play every week in, week out. But um, uh, we'll, we'll forgive you for, for focusing your attention elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I think um, one, of the, one of the things that, that – is difficult for both Atlanta and Minnesota, and they're doing it in different ways, is that you have to build a cohesive roster with almost entirely new roommate, uh, roommates, teammates. And uh, I wonder, is there a way to, to do that? You know, you've got the one way where Minnesota wants to create a team of, it's a team of equals, and Atlanta wants to bring in some stars and, and pair them next to some, you know, guys like Parkhurst and mm-hmm. guys like uh, Guzan. Uh, is there? Do we have any sense from from the past of of how you actually do this, right? Other than you know the Bob, just hire Bob Bradley and he'll win the cup for you. <laughs> well, you also have to time travel back to 1998 because the the world yeah. and the league was a very different time, and, and that's. You know, that's not a knock on Bob. I think Bob would tell you the exact same thing. It was much easier to come into a league two years in and go on that great run uh, because the, the history was only two years. So I, I, think, I think what will be interesting and what is important when you're putting together a team in MLS, and 
whether it's Minnesota or Atlanta, Atlanta, I think they benefit from the mistakes and the lessons and the history that, that comes before them. And I think that they use that to their advantage. There's best practices that are done constantly, whether it's the business off the field or the actual business on the field that, that I think is important. But ultimately, you gotta, you gotta get these guys not just playing together, but living and working together. You know, I was, I was thinking the other day of so many things that aren't even gonna come into play necessarily directly when that whistle blows on Friday night. But, you know, for example, it's not just new players, it's coming to a new place for a lot of them that they've never been. Uh, it's their families coming, it's schools, it's bank accounts, it's doctors, it's all the different things that sometimes we take for granted that need to get sorted because they will manifest themselves in the play of those individual players. And until they are comfortable off the field, it's very difficult for them to get comfortable on the field. And then it's about consistency and it's about how soon can they achieve some level of success? Because once you start feeling it, then you start feeding off of it. And the individual player gets better and the team gets better. And if it doesn't come initially, how do these players react? Because they have nothing to fall back on in terms of a history together as best players. And, and for many of them, a history within this team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let me, um, uh, you know, change tax here and, and ask you uh, personally about about your preparation for this game, which is, uh, you know, you've got you've got your your built in knowledge about Portland that you'll be able to, to pull up, uh, but you, you've got a lot of uh, players to research here and, and try to figure out, uh, you know, uh, just just basic things like how do I pr- pronounce all these names? Uh, have, have you been taking like Duolingo? Uh, Scandinavian languages, or how are you? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we get pronunciation guides, and, and John Strong okay. is, is a stickler for it, and he's very, very good at it. Believe me, John Strong is going gonna, is gonna to hit the ground running. That red light or, or that microphone is going to turn on Friday night, and the stuff that is going to spew out of his mouth is going to make your head spin in a, in a positive way because I guarantee that he will have stuff that you guys have never even thought of. He will have uh, nuggets on individual players and nuggets on the team and background and history because that's how good that's how good he is. You know, for me, uh, look, I'm, I'm staring. I'm in my little grotto here and I'm staring at a wall that has all potential uh, starting 11s for every single team in, in the league. Uh, so I'm not just not just not just looking at the game on Friday. I'm looking at the game coming on Sunday because we go to Atlanta for the Atlanta New York uh, Red Bulls game. So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, as you said, about the history of teams that I know and what they have added. And when you look at a, at a Portland, obviously, they're just adding a piece here or a piece there. So it doesn't change it a whole lot, although you need to know about them. And then when it comes to uh, your team, the Loons, uh, I'm making sure that I'm talking to as many different people that are in the know as possible. And like I said, uh, I, I will listen to podcasts. I will call up everybody and anybody that has any type of affiliation. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this uh, with you tonight is to give myself um, a, an opportunity to, to talk to you. And even though I might be doing most of the talking, I actually it's almost it's almost training. And I, I talk about this sometimes when I when I mm-hmm. do Periscope. These are reps, and this is. You might get me to think about something that I haven't thought about, even in a question that you, that you, that you ask or in a way that you ask it or the things that you say. So this is all good. Uh, there is no right way to do it. Ultimately, I, I want to make sure that I'm prepared so that I can give some context. But I'm also, in my position as the color analyst, it's going to be reactive. I mean, and even more so because this is such a new team, because there is no, there is, uh, there is no history and there, no, there is very little context 
to talk about these players or this team together in this type of unit. Well, you gave me this wonderful image of you sitting in your um, basement with this uh, Carrie Matheson from Homeland type wall with uh, that just looks <laughs> like a drug adult mind of first 11. But, so thank you at least for that. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering then uh, for this, for to, to go back finally just to, just to the team a little bit, mm-hmm. um, Adrian Heath, and you've got, you also have that narrative of, uh, having done this once at, in Orlando and there they said it was a long-term plan and, you know, he got 1.5 years. Um, what, what, what are you handicapping for, for Heath? You know, let's say he has a, a really bad year this year. Uh, you know, does, does he get uh, two seasons no matter what you think? I think he gets a second season, even if it's, I mean, you know, look, if it's, if it's historically bad, then, then no. And I, and I think the reason is this, um, he, I think came out of the Orlando situation smelling as good as you possibly can. And as far as the way that people perceive him, it's that he wasn't given the opportunity down there to do the things that he wanted. And there was meddling and there was other agendas that were going on. Um, and that it wasn't, and it's not that he can wash his hands, but it's, it wasn't his fault. Well, okay. You're coming to Minnesota. And I think the way that it is, it is now being perceived is, it's been given to him, and it is. It is and look, he has he has help uh, certainly, but this is his show, and he has been given the yeah. opportunity to do the things that he feels is appropriate. And whether it's the players that you have or the Molino deal, uh, which was historic in terms of the money, giving him the opportunity, the hands-on experience. Well, with that comes expectations, and which and comes responsibility. And so I think that I'll be interested to see how it goes and how that perception of him changes either it, it improves uh, or there's problems and say well maybe it wasn't a situation where he couldn't do what he did down in Orlando he just can't get it done I, I, I don't think that I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination it's going to be a, a quick type of thing I don't think he's on a short leash or anything I think he'll get through the year like I said unless something historically horrible goes goes wrong which I I don't necessarily anticipate and once again he benefits from some some very clever uh, and smart lowering of expectations in the way that they have gone about it. And, I'm, and, and, I, and I, I hesitate to say this, but it's almost as if the loons won't really start until that stadium is there. And, and that's, not, that's not a great way. It's almost like a soft opening of a, of a, uh, of a team. And that's not, that's, that's not to say that you shouldn't be proud and people aren't going to be excited about it. But it just seems that way from the outside. But, that, but by the way, it doesn't matter how, how I perceive it. Ultimately, their, their market and their people that they need to cater to are in Minnesota. And I think that they're doing a good job making it representative of who they are and the u- unique part of what you uh, and your colleagues and everybody up there are. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm then just a uh, final question here is uh, just generally uh, the league. Uh, how is Give me some uh, random, bold, or uh, tepid uh, predictions. What is, what's going to happen this year? Uh, okay. So, yeah. Overall. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, as we're looking at the league right now, a couple of, a couple of things that jump out at me. Um, number one, we're always going to talk about the Galaxy because of the history and what they have done. And you talk about big, bold, arrogant type of teams and super clubs. If you part, if, if, I'm, I'm going to say it. If it's, a, if it's a podcast, I'm going to say it. Super club. Uh, is the LA Galaxy, the version in 2017, the galaxy light. I can't think of another time when we actually had to look up the names of the designated players that the galaxy signed. And that's, 
that, that is a little bit different than they've done in the past. Now, is that what they are, or does, is there a big summer signing, uh, or is this a, uh, a wait and see because they know LAFC is going to come in hot and heavy next year? I'll be interested to see what the LA Galaxy as always looks like, but I don't want the LA Galaxy being LA Galaxy light, and I hope that that's not the philosophy that they've taken, at least in this short term for 2017. Dallas uh, looks like they've just uh, refortified, but they still are missing that final piece of the puzzle when it comes to MLS Cup. But we saw what they did in Champions League and demolished uh, Rabi Unida the other day, uh, which, which is wonderful to see from an MLS perspective. But also, I'll be interested to see uh, how they continue on and Mauro Diaz and, and when he gets back with the team. Seattle as defending champs. Clint Dempsey, does he come back into the mix? We know he's playing now. Also, Lodero, who was so instrumental in that first half of the season, how, how does he fare in a full season? And, and Brian Schmetzer up there. Portland, who went from winning, winning MLS Cup to not even making the playoffs. And then if you go to the other side of the, uh, of the country, a team like the Red Bulls, who have had so much off-season change with shipping out Dax McCarty and all of that intrigue and drama that went on with not just him, but Ali Curtis. And I'm going to get to the bottom at some point of, of what happened there, but I, it still fascinates me how that all, how that all came down. So look, there's, there's a million. And I think the bigger picture, uh, Wes, is also that there are so many new players in this league, and it is next to impossible even for me to keep track of them all. But hopefully this time next year, a lot of these new players will have become stars within their market and stars within MLS because that, that day of signing the big name, I think it's still there, but it's going to be much more selective. And now that, that philosophy of signing, and especially with Tam that you mentioned, which has changed everything, signing these types of players uh, that while we might not know their names, they can come here and they can be stars. And not just come here, but also the stars that are born and bred here and those types of MLS players coming up. So that's a little, that's what I'm looking at from 2017 perspective. That's a, that's a, a nice, like a moose bouche uh, for the, for the season. Well, um, Alexi Lalas, thank you so much for giving us your time. I'm uh, very much looking forward to uh, listening to your call uh, of the game and uh, looking forward to, I, don't, I haven't even looked at the schedule. Are you coming out to Minnesota this, uh, this season? To we will be there. Yes, here? I'm, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Our whole Fox crew, um, are, are, like I said, uh, myself, and Rob Stone, and uh, John Strong, and at different points through the year, Brad Friedel will be involved, Stuart Holden will be involved. Uh, we have Katie Witham, who's joining us now on the sideline. We, uh, we traded uh, Julie Stewart-Binks, who went to ESPN, and we got Katie Witham. So uh, the whole gang will be out there. And just let me say uh, that, uh, you know, and I started off the, the podcast talking about this, uh, what you guys have done there. Uh, look, I, I'm going to talk about different things, and I'm going to say something you like or something you don't like, but ultimately we are all in this together, and this is La Cosa Nostra. And I could not be happier to welcome Minnesota in its MLS form to Major League Soccer. We are looking forward on the field to what you guys bring, but almost as much, if not even more in some, in, in some circumstances, off the field, the love, the passion that you have exhibited for years up there, bringing that in an MLS uh, in, in an MLS version. So it's going to be really, really exciting to see because, as you know, each market and each team has its own um, its own characteristics and its own personality. And I would expect the same when it comes from Minnesota. And I can't wait uh, to hang out there with uh, all the loon crazies, whether it's this Friday for those that are traveling to Portland, or like I said, when we uh, when we go there this year and uh, and check out the scene in a new MLS. Uh, city in Minnesota. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I'll uh, clear off the futon for you 
um, and and we'll uh, we'll get it all made up for you for when you're in town. And uh, thanks for the the kind words. Uh, I, we will uh, we'll look forward to seeing you and, and uh, hearing you on on Fox this Friday. Sounds good. Welcome back to the 551 podcast. I am still not confident that my uh, interview with Alexi actually worked. And so and you I'm guys Jeff. can spend uh-huh. the whole, hi, Jeff. <laughs> you guys can spend the whole time imagining if I had a fake conversation with wouldn't that be awesome cuz you did you were here when I did the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I just made that all up. What if I like just called someone like, like Walter like, Mitty the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, maybe you did. Um, but let's talk about the the game on hand. Three days from the time you're listening to this, if it's Tuesday. So on Friday. I don't know why I didn't just say this Friday. Friday. Yep. Friday night at Portland. It's going to be raining because it's Portland. I'm just going to... That's my hot take for the week. It will rain at some point during the match. Bold. Um, We've got the Timbers. We've got a match that matters against an MLS club for the first time in Minnesota soccer history. That's... Does it feel real to you yet? No, it, it, it's uh, it's very surreal. I've I, I will basically I'll actually be watching the game in Texas. I'm driving down to Texas starting Thursday, um, and so I'll be yeah. I'm I've got so much on my mind with all that, and then this game is going to be so weird to see them on a big, uh, you know, on TV on national TV. Um, you know, having uh, John Strong and, and Alexi Lalas calling it, it's going to be surreal. You know, Alexi, I'm sure, will drop a Death Loon reference. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be fun. I'm also, I will be probably a nervous wreck come Thursday. Uh, I don't know how I actually got work done today, but uh, it, yeah. it's going to be a it's going to be great. I, I want to talk about Portland, though, mm-hmm. because Valeri, is he injured? Tell me, because I, I should okay. have done my research. Well, here, let's but. do... So I, I did put together a list, and I'm going to do this every week, that we first meet these teams, which is who's in, who's out from last year, um, or over the last couple of weeks. So with Portland, uh, out, Nat Borchers, retired. Uh, last year, he missed with a really unfortunate Achilles tear. Um, he's off to bigger and better things. Uh, hats off to you. Nat Borchers. Lucas Milano is out. He was a young designated player winger who I gave an F during my designated report series because it just didn't pan out for them. Um, Gabenga Rokoyo um, was a Nigerian center back that they brought in to fill the void for Nat Borchers, and he promptly injured himself, so he's out for like four to six months. Um, Diego Valeri picked up a knock in his last preseason game, and it, it sounds like the type where even if he does play, he won't be at 100%. And most notably, out from Portland Timbers are the right to Miguel Ibarra. In for the Portland Timbers, you have Leapin Larry Olam, who is a central defensive midfielder who's going to be playing center back for the Timbers. Uh, Sebastian Blanco, who torched uh, the backups for United in the preseason match that drew 2-2. Um, David Guzman is a midfielder that they brought in. Jeremy Ibobasi was a player that we convinced ourselves Minnesota would draft and indeed even learned how to pronounce his last name because we were so convinced. And now we'll get to use it for like the next two minutes, which is nice. Um, but he probably won't play. And Jeff Atnello. Well, he's with the U20s former right now. So. Oh, that's right. So he definitely won't play. So great. Yeah. A lot of work there. Uh, but good interview. I think that's our most listened to episode we've ever done. That there one we with go. him and Jackson yeah. Ewell. Seven people. Um, yeah. So- yeah, no, that's right. So the 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 real addition there is Sebastian Blanco. Um we already saw him do a little bit of his action and and tear tear up our 
you know, DVRD at, at left back. Um, you know, Blanco and Adi and uh, Nagby are, are enough to terrify me, right? You know, right. and then you've got Chara and Guzman is supposed to be a, an absolute pit bull. Chara is already a pit bull. There's a lot there. I think the real problem is that you've got fullbacks who don't know how to play defense, and you've got Leap and Larry Olam next mm-hmm. to Liam Rid- Ridgewell. I would take certainly both of our center backs, even though I don't know them very well. I, I, I think that I feel good about that. We have. Uh, I'm nervous about our fullback situation. Um, right. It's weird because Portland is like in attack. They're a slightly more. They're they're a better version of the attack. Or they have pieces that you're more confident in in the MLS structure, obviously, because their three main attackers, um, Adi, Valeria, Nagby from the title win in 2015, are still there. But their defense is, if anything, even more shaky than Minnesota's. Because uh, while Ridgewell is a very capable center back, he's over 30. Olam, who knows? Uh, Powell, he's over 60. Powell and Vitas, they don't play a lick of defense, especially Powell. But they're defended by... an. Really good midfield, and um, they've also played together. It's a very interesting so. matchup in a lot of ways for Minnesota because, look, if if the quick, versatile attack of Minnesota is going to be able to catch any defense off guard, Portland's is the type that you would think that they could. Uh, it's a center back pairing that hasn't played together. Olin was just acquired about a week and a half ago. Uh, fullbacks that like to spend more time in attack than defense, especially Powell on the right side. Watch for whoever's starting at left wing for the Loons. Um, I didn't realize, but yeah, calling them wingers is a pun if they're loons, isn't it? And, um, again, being able to weave through the center packs, um, that's something that they should be able to do. So realistically, this should be a decent test to see where Minnesota is. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, there, there's also this question that came from Bill Stenross, which is who will you be disappointed, uh, to not see in action on Friday? Who are you, who, who? Are you kind of banking on being able to see Andre Gotsmanov? Yeah, I can't tell. Manny will find a way to bring him back. I know that's why uh, I'm hoping. Who will I? I so okay. So yeah. it, the question is, if, if they if they were pulled from the lineup, who would you be most disappointed to not see? That I think realistically could be pulled from the lineup. No, just any. Yeah, because I think if it's someone I think could realistically be pulled, it'd be Christian Ramirez. Yeah. Okay. That's who I would be most disappointed. Um, yeah. Ditto Miguel Ibarra. I mean, both for similar reasons, but I think that the narrative with them is they've got to prove themselves in MLS. How are they going to do that if they don't play? I, I think Ibarra gets the gets the time because um, because uh, he can add so many other qualities. And also, um, I think Kadri is someone who's going to have to be worked in, right? If you put Venegas, if you put Johnny Vegas in for um, Ramirez, that could work. And mm-hmm. the guy knows the league, and you kind of know what you would have. Kadri still feeling that out, and so to me, I, I don't have anyone who I'm. I really want to see Josh Gat uh, play, and I want to see Kadri play. Those, are, but they're not going to play this Friday, right? Those are those Kadri, are two players. I think will. Uh, yeah, I'm. But not yes, start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are two players who I really want to see in action. Sure, but that's partially and and Schuler as well. I, I want to see mm-hmm. those those three. I have a lot of intrigue about and um, the center backs. I know I'm going to see them a lot. I, I, I'm excited about that. But yeah, uh, what does your gut say? What's the what's the scoreline this week? Uh, I think it's going to be a two uh, two draw. 
I think it's going to be a 2-1 loss. I think Portland's going to win this one by one. Yeah, late on? Early yeah, on? yeah, no, yeah. it'll it'll be like... Or, or they think, score two early on and we come I think back with that. Portland will score first. I think that it's going to go 1-0 to halftime. I'm just going to get oddly specific about my predictions. I think we're going to get a counterattack goal that's beautiful and everything that we've ever hoped to see from the versatile Minnesota attack, and then I think it's going to be... Are you getting choked up? Is this? Are you getting emotional? Oh, no, I just, I, I've been, <laughs> I'm almost done with a 16-ounce Scottish ale, and I'm about to burp, um, ah. which is called Classy. Tears in Scotland. And, uh, yeah, I think that it's going to be Fernando Adi is going to knock in the late goal. Enough, yeah. um, and, and honestly, that's not a bad result. I, I, I think that, I mean, the barometer... Following Alexi's red line fever, that was his major narrative last year, which I think is fair, you make the playoffs by winning most of your home games and drawing most of your road games. So keeping it close to late in the game in your MLS debut when you're on the road um, against probably one of the most fervent fan support. Yeah, it's not an easy place to go. No, I think that's fine. So, um, yeah, again, same thing like preseason. Keep it competitive. Don't get anyone hurt. Bring them back to Minnesota and, and kick Atlanta's ass. That's the game plan for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that you know the the Atlanta game is is a really helpful thing uh, to have on the horizon, and so I'm I'm kind of looking at that as a good chance to to get a result and to kind of reset what you know Portland's going to be tough no matter what, and no then what. and then they've got Colorado and New England away. Mm-hmm. Um. Away games are always tougher in this league, mm-hmm. but Colorado and New England, I think, I think those are teams that can be beaten. You know, uh, in in particular because I like we said, I think Colorado is going to revert to the mean. Yep. I don't think New England are very good. Sure. So it's great. it's going to be interesting because again, looking at that defense, that means the first three weeks you're facing Valeriati, um, which sounds like a disease. That's Valeria. Um, and Negby, and then second week, you've got Almiron, Vialba, Kenwin Jones, I guess, but I'm doing one of those hand gestures with it. Um, third week, you've got Shelshin Gashi, who I think is one of the most underrated designated players in the league. Fourth week, then, if it's New England, you've got Kai Kamara, Juan Agudelo, um, and a couple of pretty decent wingers that they just brought in, too. So it's going to be sink or swim time for the defense, yep. and uh, I, I hope that they're up for it. I think that they can be. Um. All right. Well, that's that's our show. We're going to see how this all pans out. Uh, I will oh, be away next oh, week. Oh, sorry. Uh, season prediction, because you're going to be away next week, and it's preseason, uh, and we need something to point and laugh at at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I said NYCFC is going to win it all. For Minnesota. Oh, for Minnesota. Oh, I think that um, I think that Minnesota finishes... Uh, we've got 11 in each. Correct. Uh, okay, I think Minnesota finishes 8th. Mm, I was going to say 8th. Yeah, I'm going to say 8th. Um, who has more points? Are, are we doing this bet? Where I, I think, yeah, I think Minnesota has more points than Atlanta. I'll begrudgingly take it. You right. will? Yeah. I was, oh, okay, sure. Handshake. What are we? What are we betting? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, a night of drinks. A night of drinks. You've got. All right. Um, well, that's us. Uh, we'll be. You will be back next week. Uh, you've got some special guests. Yes. I will be in uh, in Texas. Uh, drinking tequila um thank you very much everyone and uh please send us uh messages and um send us uh questions uh, i'm at mn nice fc jeff is at jeff Ruder. 
Uh, Westberdine at 55.1 is where you can send longer things. I've gotten some really great uh, messages recently. And some decent fan fiction. Yeah, it's killer fan fiction. Oh, my God. Um, and so thank you, everyone. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. 